Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. We welcome everyone tonight to our Thursday night Bible study. Amen. So glad to have everyone here this evening. No, it's a beautiful day out there. Um, I was in a class all day today, and it was just like, wow, it was just different. You know, you know, sometimes, you know, when we can get to get away for a little bit, it's always a good thing. Um, but we're here tonight to praise God, and we're so glad that everyone is here. You make the time to be here this evening. We commend you, and we thank you for being here. We're going to invite you to stand at this time. We're going to just get right into our Bible study tonight. We're going to pray and ask God to have his way in our Bible study. Remember to keep those that are sick in our prayers. Um, also, keep our pastor in um, our prayers also. So we're going to ask you to bow your heads with us tonight as we pray. And ask the Lord's blessing upon us, that it will open our understanding, our minds, and that will, um, He will bless and use the man of God, this evening that will be bringing the words of God. Pray with us tonight. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for being your present one more time, Lord God. For truly, in your present, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We thank you for this privilege, O oh God. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. We thank you for bringing us together for such a time as this, Lord God. And as we gather together in your presence tonight, we ask you to forgive us for every sin. And for all the things that we have done in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all filthiness, and that you will purge us with this up, Lord God. Wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, Lord God. Father God, as we pray tonight, we ask your blessing, O God, upon every person that is in this place tonight, Lord God. That you will touch our hearts, Lord God. Touch our minds, O God. That you will open our understanding, O God. And that we'll be able to, O God, retain your words tonight, Lord God. Father God, as we pray tonight, we pray, Lord God, for the men of God that is bringing the words tonight, that you will use them like never before, Lord Lord God, and that the Spirit will be upon them, Lord God, and that you will speak to us through him tonight, Lord God. I pray for a pastor, Lord God, and his wife tonight, that you will continue to strengthen them, sustain them, and keep them, Lord God, that they will be renewed, refreshed, Lord God, and that the Spirit of God will be upon them wherever they are, whatever they do, Lord God. You will continue to keep them, Lord God. Bless every family that is here, Lord God. Those who are not here, we ask you to touch them and bless them likewise, Lord God. We ask Lord God, that when we leave this Bible study tonight, we can surely say it was good for us to be here. Lord God, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. We thank you right now, Lord God, for what you're about to do, Lord God. As we pray, Lord God, we pray for those that are sick in their body tonight, that wherever they are, Lord God, your healing virtue will move upon them and that you will help them to be whole again, Lord God. Heal them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord God. Let your will be done, Lord God. Let your kingdom come. Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. We worship you tonight and we say thanks in advance for what you're about to do, Lord God. We come in ourselves to you and we come in the service in your hands tonight as we say thanks in the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just give the Lord a wonderful applause tonight as we worship the Lord to our God tonight because he's worthy to be praised. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Before you be seated, I'm going to ask you to uh, remain standing while I invite Brother Kelly Man who's going to come to us at this time. He's going to speak to our hearts in tonight. So let's just give him our undivided attention tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, saints. We serve a great, big, wonderful God. It's a great honor and a privilege to be with you all tonight. Our God is good, He's great, and He's greatly to be praised. You know, I just want to thank you all for being here with us tonight. This is a great honor for me to speak to you from the Word of God. I, I don't take this lightly. This is a great honor and it's a privilege. And thank you, Brother Scarlett. And I thank Pastor Wayne for this opportunity also. Okay. I've got so much things to say right now. I've got so much things to say. 
All the Jamaicans know that, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I got so many things I have to say, and I hope I won't be taking up too much of your time. You know, <clears throat> first of all, let me sing you a little chorus. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy to receive glory. Worthy to receive honor. Worthy to receive all our praise today. Praise Him. Praise Him and lift Him up. Praise Him. Exalt His name forever. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Our God is holy. He is holy. And He is looking for a people that's holy. Okay, okay. Okay, the heading on my display picture says, Live by the Word of God. You may be seated. I don't want to keep you standing too much so that you get tired of me. <laughs> it says, Live by the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. <clears throat> The scripture on the display is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 4, which reads, He taught me and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Proverbs chapter 1, no, Psalm chapter 1, 1, 9, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. So, if it seem as though I'm using too many scriptures. This is the reason. The entrance of God's word, it giveth light. Amen. See, the thing about this tonight is, this is, uh, this is teaching. This is not preaching. I'm giving you the word of God, what the word of God says. I want to make sure that when you leave here tonight, nobody will say, this is what I said. <laughs> You'll all say, this is what the Word of God says. Amen? Because it's the Word of God that we should live by. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, reading from verse 14 to verse 16. You can still be seated. It's okay to be seated. We're all family right here tonight. Amen? Not that you're not family when Pastor Wayne is teaching, or Pastor um, Scarlett is teaching or preaching. We're all family. You can be seated. You can be comfortable. Okay. Verse 14 says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which had called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This tells me that no one, nobody at all, can be holy without the Holy Ghost. You know, there are many people today claiming that they are holy. But do they have the Holy Ghost? Tonight we'll take a, a, a look, a, you know, a practical look at holiness from, you know, from an angle that's actually different from what the world look at holiness as. 
This lesson is titled, Called to be Holy. We are called to be different, not for the sake of being different, but for the sake of making a difference. We are called to make a difference in this world. We are to be the light to those that are in darkness. And there are many people today in darkness and they don't even realize it. There are many people groping in darkness today and they don't even realize that they're in darkness. I believe that there's both a great need and a great hunger for the teaching on practical holiness. When you observe the lifestyle of many who claim to be Christians, you see that they have missed the mark. They miss the mark because no one can ever be holy without the Holy Ghost leading them. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 8 to 11, the Apostle Paul says, They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, Jesus had to die to provide a heart for every single one of us. Did you know that no living person can ever provide a heart for you if you need a heart transplant. That person has to die. Jesus died so that every single one of us can have a heart. When Jesus was crucified, his blood was shed for every single one of us. The blood of Jesus is what is pumping this new heart that we have today. When he was crucified, blood and water, they put a spear in his side, blood and water came out of his side. That blood is everywhere in this world that you can think of. It goes up in the vapor, it goes in the streams, it, it's everywhere. This is why the Ethiopian eunuch could say, there's water, why not baptize me right now? The blood of Jesus covers every one of us. The blood of Jesus is what pumps our heart. Scientists have proved it that it's the blood that caused the heart to function. The scripture tells us plainly that the life is in the blood. So if you have the blood of Jesus Christ running through your veins right now, trust me, you're in good stead. You're in a good place. <clears throat> Jesus said, Whosoever hear my words and believe him who sent me as eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. That's John chapter 5 and verse 24, the New International Version. See, when you are born again of the water and of the Spirit, you have actually passed from death to life. Death has no power, absolutely no power over you. The only way that death will have power over you, like the children of Israel, if you step out from under the blood, the covering of the blood, that death angel will take you. Now, we can step out from the blood of Jesus by rejecting what God has already given to us. The greatest sin that you can ever commit in this world is blasphemy. You blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, and trust me, you're done. Blaspheming against the Holy Ghost is stepping out from under the covering that God has given to you. So we need to stay in this room, in this covering, in this ark, in this place that God has put us. So that we can be safe. So that when the time of wrath is come, we will be spared. Now, when you look into the scriptures, we see, we learn about dispensations. We are living in the sixth dispensation right now that is getting ready to come to an end pretty soon. At the end of every dispensation, there is always a judgment. 
But God makes a way of escape for his people. So we have to make sure that we stay in the place so we can escape the wrath that is to come. In John chapter 6 and verse uh, 63 to 64, Jesus said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. There are many people today that hear the word of God and they still don't believe the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul confirms Jesus' statement that there are some of you that believe not when he declared that those who are denying the power thereof only have a form of godliness. There are many people today that claim to be Christians. They claim to be serving God. But they deny the power to serve God. They deny the power that God has given to every one of us so that we can be pleasing to Him. In John chapter 7 verse 38 to 39, Jesus says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was was not yet glorified. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 19 and verse 2, Paul asks a very probing question. He asks, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? They answered, We have not so much have heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Some people today don't hear or can't hear that there is a Holy Ghost. The reason is, they have turned their ears to fable. They have turned their ears to the beggarly elements of this world. They have turned their ears to people who are deceiving them and leading, the, leading them astray. Many people today don't believe that they, they should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Even though Peter declared in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is more important than the next breath of air that you breathe. If you step out of this life without the Holy Ghost, your destiny is sealed. It's sealed as to where you are going to spend eternity. And eternity is a long, long time. You can die because of the next breath of air, but if you have the Holy Ghost, you're sure of where you're going to spend eternity. So without the Holy Ghost, the scripture says, you're none of his. <clears throat> Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means everyone needs the power of the Holy Ghost to be holy. This is one of the reasons Jesus commanded us in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We all know what that means, right? Is there anybody here that don't understand what that really means? These are titles. But Jesus said, go baptize in the name. He didn't say his name. It never said name in, names in here. It said name. Singular. The name that Jesus came into this world with, he walked this earth with, is Jesus. He came in his Father's name. In the name of the Father. When he was leaving this earth, he said, I will send the Comforter in my name. The Comforter is the Holy Ghost. So if you are not baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, you need to be rebaptized. <laughs> okay. This is not a puzzle. It's not a quiz. It's not something that should confuse you. It's one name, and that name is Jesus. The only name given on the heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. We all need to be baptized, and that's the only way that the blood can be applied to your life, when you're baptized in that name. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 29 says, 
Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. How do we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? Well, Jesus says, you must be holy. If you are holy, you can worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is not something that you start one day and the next day you're gone from it. You're doing something different. Holiness is a 24 hours, um, 365 day a year or whatever. I mean, 12 months a year. It's every day. We have to be holy every single day of our lives. We can't say, well, we are holy today and tomorrow or next week we are just like the world. God has called us out of darkness and He has placed us in His marvelous light. God has called us to be vessels of honor for His glory. He has called us and He has given us this new heart. And this heart should be just pumping for the Lord. Not for anything else in this world. One songwriter says that holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. We all need, need holiness. Pastor Wayne made it very plain to us on Sunday that we are all made in the image of God and in His likeness. And if we are made in His image and in His likeness, we shouldn't be changed. We should be just like the Lord. Wherever we go, people should look at us and say, there goes the Lord. <laughs> there goes one of His disciples. There goes an example of how to live for the Lord. <clears throat> Jesus did not make himself of any reputation. So should we be. We shouldn't try to make ourselves over. We shouldn't try to, I mean, look like the world to, and, and try to please God in, in that, in that, um, in that way. We must remain the way God made us to be well pleasing to Him. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 10, 8 to 10 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. In like manner, also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided ear, of gold or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. The people of the world should be able to look at Holy Ghost filled believers and say, There goes another holy roller. They should be able to look at you, no matter where you are. And say, there goes another holy roller. People should look at us at all times and see Jesus. We are the epistles read of men, is what the scripture says. The apostle Paul says that. So wherever we go, you know, we are the, we could, we might well be the only Bible that somebody ever reads, some people ever read. Yep. We are the epistles. Bread of man. <clears throat> the problem is we are living in a dispensation where standards are being lowered and landmarks are being moved. We are in that dispensation right now where the devil is taking a foot. He has been given a hinge and he has taken a foot and become a ruler. There are many places today that people go to worship and if you go there with your Holy Ghost filled self I mean, <laughs> you'll be so confused. That's true. Makes you wonder what's going on. But the scripture tells us plainly that the devil goeth about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Scripture also tells us that hell has enlarged in her mouth. There's great construction going on right now in hell. Hell has enlarged in their mouth because there are so many people today that think that they are living for God. Think that they are in peace and safety. But, wow. 
The only way to take back the authority that was given to the church is to do what James 4 and verse 7 to 8 says. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. And as Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. To help the people of this world identify the church, Paul gives us a long list of things that we should do in um, Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to verse 17. But we're not going to read that. So don't put it up there, brother. Just remember it. Write it down. Take a note of that. And try to read it in your spare time. You have so many things there that we need to know. You have so many things there that we as Christians need to be doing every day of our lives. Amen? Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1 to verse 17. Holiness produces wholeness. Holiness produces wholeness. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. And he's expecting to find his bride without spot and blameless. The world should not be blaming us, pointing fingers at us. The world should be trying to rush towards us to get into the kingdom of God. We should be the light to those who are in darkness. Amen? This is why... We have the command in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 to, 14 to 16. Again it says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, in your ignorance. But as he which had called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. <clears throat> After the Lord takes his bride, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7-10 says, That the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, this is after the rapture. This is after the Lord takes his people out of this world. See, Many people today say, well, okay, the church is going to go through the great tribulation. God did not call us to that. We're going to go through some troubles. We're going to have some troubles in this world. We're going to find ourselves going through some tribulation, but not the great tribulation. The only way you're going to go through the great tribulation is if you step out of God's will. If you step out from the covering that God has made for you. When you think about all the dispensations that have gone before, at the end of this every dispensation, God makes a way of escape for His people. And He's doing the same thing for us today. The heart that we need to get into is the church. Be a part of the church. Be a member, a part of the body of Christ. So that you can escape the wrath that is to come. Amen? Verse 8 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you obey the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the only way you obey the gospel is by dying to sin. Through repentance. You repent of your sins, and you are buried in that watery grave. You're raised up to walk in newness of life. You're now a brand new creature. Brand new creation. You're like this babe just being born. 
God fills you with the Spirit to walk in newness of life. So whole things are passed away. Behold, now you have become new. So there is no need for us to go back to the beggar elements of this world. God has made a way of escape for us so that we don't even have to sin. We don't have to sin. When you are born again, you do not have to sin. The only reason you sin is because of the choices that you make. Amen? Scripture says, verse 9, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? That's those who obey not the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are many today not obeying the gospel. The Scripture tells us that He came unto His own and His own received Him not. But to as many that have received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Aren't you glad today that you are a child of God? We are in a secure place today. We are in the best, best place that we can ever be. Amen? Amen. Verse 10 says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. In order to obey this biblical command, however, we must first understand the relationship between human nature and sin. We must understand the relationship between the human nature and sin. Tonight we are going to investigate sin, our sin's power, with respect to the human race, and particularly with respect to those who are born again. Now, I'm hoping that when we leave here tonight, somebody will get something from this, get an understanding of who we are, how important it is for us to be holy. It's very important that we all be holy. Because without holiness and righteousness, none of us shall see the Lord. There's no way that we can ever see the Lord or be in the presence of the Lord. The scripture tells us plainly that many will come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Jesus himself said this. Many will come from the east, the west, the north, and the south to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out in the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So it's very important that we make sure that we are walking the line, that we are continuing to walk on the straight and narrow road that leads to eternal life. If you are not going to do this, might as well we just give up from now, because it's not going to be good for you in the end. Think about those people that try to beat down the door of the ark. They could not do anything to get into the ark. Now if we slip up at this time, we are living in the end right now. The scripture tells us plainly that all these things were written for our learning, for our admonition upon whom the end of the worlds are come. We are living in the time of the end of this system where God is getting ready to take his people out of this world. And we have to be ready. We have to be found of him without spot or blemish or, or, and blameless. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 8 is where Jesus says that many, Matthew chapter 8 verse 11 to 12 is where Jesus says many will be cast out into outer darkness. Many of his own people that actually served him for a period of time, but they decided to turn back to the beggarly elements of this world. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He's not going to put too much on you. Than you can bear. If you know anything about farming. And all that kind of stuff. When they put the oxen together. They put a young oxen. With a older stronger oxen. So that the older oxen can teach the younger oxen. How to do this plowing and all that kind of stuff. We are together with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are joint ears with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have His yoke upon us. So we don't need to struggle with anything. You know, some people struggle with praying for this and praying for that. All you have to do is thank God for it sometimes. 
Just thank the Lord for it and trust me, it's there. Yes. Sister Amanda pointed that out the other day with her daughter. We have to just trust the Lord. The scripture tells us plainly that we should trust in the Lord with all our heart. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways so that He can direct your path. No matter what's going on in your life, in your body, wherever it's happening, just trust the Lord. The blood of Jesus was shed for the healing of His people. The scripture tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ mounted with healing in His wings. Jesus Himself said, Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. So if we just trust the Lord, and say, well, God, this is what I need right now. You promise that you're going to deliver. I'm looking for this. And you will receive it. We have to have that kind of faith. Without faith, the scripture says, it's impossible to please the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and verse 5 to 6, you are commanded... To examine yourselves. We all need to examine ourselves. If we are not taking some measures right now. To check out ourselves. And see whether we are in the faith. We can be walking in darkness. And we don't even realize it. Examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that ye are not reprobates. A true Christian experience will bear examination. Are you even in the faith? The Apostle Paul asks. Are you truly saved? The word reprobate means counterfeit. The word literally means not passing the test. See, we come to church where we gather together to hear from the Lord from time to time. But there's going to be a test. And we need to pass the test. If we don't pass the test, we can't go any further. We have been hoping and praying that we are going to spend eternity with the Lord but if we fail the test, we are in trouble. Every believer must prove his or her faith. Everyone must know for themselves whether or not they are born again. You know, the conversation came up the other day about telling someone whether they are filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, if you hear somebody speak in tongues, you can say that they are filled with the Holy Ghost. But they have to know for themselves whether they are filled with the Holy Ghost. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there has to be some changes. We can't stay the same way. Because you are a brand new creation right now, brand new creature. You are born again of the water and of the Spirit. You have become brand new. So there have to be some changes. Everyone must work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Holiness begins with internal transformation and produces external demonstration. It starts from within and it shows on the outside. Amen? The songwriter says, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a joy in my life. The life of holiness fulfills God's original intention and design for humanity. Our lifestyle should testify to those around us that sanctification is actively at work within us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the New King James Version says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord. Again, we are the only Jesus and the only Bible people will ever see or read in their lifetime if they are not born again. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 to 3, Paul says, Ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, um, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. God has written His word upon our heart. As the scripture says, the entrance of God's word giveth light. It gives understanding. God's word, they are spirit and they are life. The more of God's word that you take in is the stronger you should be. It's the more you should be growing. You're taking in the word of God, you should be growing every day. God's word is not going to return void. If we avoid taking in God's word and say, well, we are Christians, then you're not going to go anywhere. It's important, the, the apostle Peter says, study to show yourselves approved unto God as workmen that need it not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are many people today wrongly dividing God's word. That's why it says, rightly divide God's word. They're wrongly dividing the word and they're causing so much division, so much confusion in this world. Jesus says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. I mean, if people take these scriptures lightly, and they're so important to our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very important. We all possess sinful nature. A sinful nature. So growing up in Christian homes, does not make you a Christian. It does not make you holy. The only way to be holy is to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. The Bible emphatically declared that human beings have sinned. In chapter 1 and 2 and 3f of Romans, Paul demonstrates that all mankind is guilty before God. He concludes in Romans chapter 3, verse 9 to 12 and verse 23, that we have proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after good. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that do good, no not one, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Everyone were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The Apostle John states, If we say that we have, no, have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10. Even the Old Testament affirms that there is no man that sinneth not. First Kings chapter 8 verse 46 and Second Chronicles chapter 6 verse 36. It affirms that no man. Okay sister, I will send them to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I said before, there are so many things I got to say right now. I just want to get through them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sinful acts arise from the nature of sin that all human beings inherit as a result of the sin of Adam, the first representative of the human race. This sinful nature is also known as the flesh or the carnal man. The psalmist says in Psalm 51 and verse 5, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, the prophet says, The art is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is why we all need a brand new art. This is why Jesus Christ had to die so that we can have a brand new heart. Remember now that Jesus is the only one that ever died and lived again to see the heart pumping, his heart pumping in all of us. No one else has ever done that. A person has to die 
to give somebody else their heart so that they can live. But Jesus, he died and he rose again to see his heart pumping in every single one of us. Amen? The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now with all this evidence that we are sinners, what should we expect? All we can expect is death. All we can expect is just that God just wiping us out of this world. But he has made a way for us. Yet God is a way maker. And he has made a way for every single one of us. The penalty for sin is death. But just as we were led into sin and death by one man, Adam, so we can receive forgiveness and life through one man, Christ. For as by one man, Romans 5 and verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22 we read, For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Everyone has this awesome privilege to pass from death to life. The scripture tells us that God does not desire any of us to be destroyed. But he desires everyone to come to repentance. Some people will say, well, okay, all those people that died in the 9-11, the Twin Towers and all that kind of stuff, did God desire that these people live? Yes, he did. They had many moons to repent of their sins. The scripture tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show it is on the work. Day unto day utter its speech, night unto night show it knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So, there's no single person upon this earth that can say, you know, people say to me, well, what about those people way back in land or somewhere way across the sea? I mean, these nomads or whatever they are, they never heard the whole, the, 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 the word of God. I say, yes, they did. The scripture tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament show it is on the work. Day and today utter its speech. So God is speaking to people, no matter where they are. Within every single one of us, there is a void. There is a void that needs to be filled. Every single one of us should be searching for the creator of this universe. Every single one of us should be searching for the one who made you so fearfully and wonderfully in his likeness and in his image. Every one of us should be seeking for him. But people choose to just go their way. People choose to just make their own decision and do what they want to do. Amen? The irony in this is that even after the new birth, we still possess the sin principles in our nature. And we have to be so careful now that we are born again. We have to be so careful that we are always walking in the light. Because the moment you step out of the light and into the darkness, that's where the enemy of your soul is going to get you. If you watch these documentaries with all these animals, these wild animals and stuff like that, the lion just wait for that little one that will just linger away from the, the herd and then you just chase that one down. And this is what the devil is doing. He's looking out mostly for us. He's looking out for people of God. He's not looking for those people that claim to be Christian down the road and over the road and in those big congregations. He's looking for people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Because he's trying to do his very best to deceive us. He's trying to defame you as much as he can. He looked for Job because he said, well, hey, God, you, you put edges around him. You, you do all kind of stuff to keep him. Job, the devil knows that God is keeping us. The devil knows that God is providing for us. So he's trying to find a way to cause you to slip up so he can go to God and say, see, look what he did. Look what they're doing. 
The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 17 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the spirit lusted against the spirit, for the, for the flesh lusted against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. The brother of Jesus in James chapter 4 and verse 5 asks the question, Do we think that the scripture saith in vain? We read all these scriptures. He's asking, do you think that these scriptures are saying these things in vain? Do you think that these are just a waste of time? Then he went on to explain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy. Brother John said in John, 1 John 1 and verse 8, If he say that ye have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Many people are deceiving themselves today, thinking that they are, their lifestyle is pleasing to God. And they don't realize the trouble that they're in. In Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23, the New International Version says, But if he, but if he fail to do this, if he fail to do this, if he fail to live by the word of God, if you fail to obey the word of God, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you fail to obey the word of God, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sins will find you out. The sinful nature consists of a compulsion to commit sinful acts. It's more than a capacity to sin, such as Adam had in the state of his innocence. For if we let the sinful nature lead us, it will always cause us to sin. If we allow the sinful nature to lead us, it will always cause us to sin. In Romans chapter 7, Paul taught that neither the law of God nor the law of the mind brings power over the law of sin. That means neither God's moral law nor the good intention of the human mind imparts power to overcome or overcome the principles of sin that impels the human to sin. Now, listen to what the Apostle Paul says. You see, now, I know everybody is getting ready to go home and feeling tired right now from work all day. So I'm just going to try to speed this up a little. <laughs> Take another gear. So, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to, slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. We can't allow ourselves to be slaves to sin. We have to allow ourselves to be slaves to God. God has called us. He has called us to be servants. We have to serve Him. We can't serve the flesh. Many debate whether this is um, the, the, this chapter applies to the unregenerate or the regenerate. Possibly it refers to Paul before his conversion. Alternatively, it is Paul's description of his carnal nature. Only he's speaking about his flesh or what his flesh is like if left to itself. In any case, the passage describes the failure of a good, sincere person who tries to live for God without relying on the Holy Ghost. We can't live for God without relying on the Holy Ghost. As such, it applies to anyone, either regenerate or unregenerate, who tries to live a holy life by his own human power and not, and, um, you know, and by the mere obedience of the law. Thus it describes a constant threat to the Christian. If he relies on the flesh, he will always fail and revert to sin. Romans 7 does not represent the norm of Christian living. We find that in Romans chapter 6 and 8. In chapter 7 verse 24, Paul asks, Who can deliver us from the bondage of sin of the sinful nature? In chapter 7 verse 25, he interjected, Thanksgiving to God, as he reflected on the answer, then he concluded the chapter by summarizing the power of the sinful nature. 
In Romans chapter 8, he gave the answer to the dilemma posed in chapter 7, when he said, Through the law of the Spirit, we can overcome the law of sin. Through the law of the Spirit, we can avoid sinning. If we allow the Spirit of God to lead us, we can avoid sinning. When Paul stated he cannot do the things that he would, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17, he meant that this is true only as long as he followed the flesh. According to verse 16 and 18 and verse 22, if we follow the Spirit, we can indeed override the lust and work of the flesh. We have the power to override sinful nature. We have that power within us. We do not have to sin. Although the principle of sin remains in the born-again believers, he can overcome it through the power of the Spirit. Romans 6 states in emphatic terms that the Christian should not sin. The Christian should not sin. Romans 7 warns that the Christian cannot obey the command by depending on the law, his mind, or his flesh because of the sinful nature. Chapter 8 explains that the Christian can uh, fill the command only by walking after the Spirit instead of the flesh. The law of the Spirit does not destroy the law of sin, but it overcomes it. If you draw, let's draw an analogy of a bird. The bird flying in the air, flapping its wings. It will keep afloat. It will just stay there, stay aloft. What if the bird folds its wings? What's going to happen to the bird? It's going to plunge right down to the ground. If we keep walking in the Spirit, we can stay aloft. We can just keep serving the Lord. But if we just decide that, okay, we are going to turn back and look. And the scripture says, the man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of entering into the kingdom. The man that looks back is like the pig wallowing into the mire. You just take a pig and shower him and clean him up, powder him and let him go, see what happens. Goes right back to it. I won't even talk about the rest of it because it's just terrible. Okay, now let me just get to the end of this. <laughs> Sorry. In closing, oh, John chapter 8 and verse 34 to 36 is important. As born again believers, we now have the freedom from sin that is the power to choose not to sin. Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abided not in the house forever. But the Son abided forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We have freedom. We have freedom over sin. In closing, Romans 6 reveals a threefold, threefold approach to overcoming sin. One, know who we are and what has happened to us. We need to know who we are. We need to know what has happened to us. Know that when we are born again, we die to sin. Know therefore that sin has no power over us. Number two, reckon this to be so. Act as if we die to sin, and sin has no power over us. Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto our Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, yield to God. Replace sinful habits with an active performance of God's will as revealed by His Word and His Spirit. Again, all these things were written for our learning and for our admonition upon whom the end of this world is come. Romans 15 and verse 4 says, Whatsoever things are written aforetime, they are written that through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. God has given us a hope. None of the princes of this world knew all these mysteries. Had they known these mysteries, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 2 verse 9 to 10, Paul says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor hear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Only the Spirit of God can help us to know and understand these things. Amos chapter, Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Surely, 
Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Amen? Did you get anything from this tonight? Is there any questions? Oh, you want to go home, right? No questions. <laughs> Everybody, go ahead, sister. Living a holy life in this world means that you're living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If you're not doing that, you can't know God's perfect will for your life. We have to be totally surrendered to God. We have to make sure that we are denying everything that's ungodly in this world. Living like Jesus lived. Not that we are going to walk with, without a house and eat onion, all that kind of stuff, and just... But we are going to live a life that's exemplary to the whole world. We are going to let our light shine so that others may see our good works and give God the glory. When the apostles were first called Christians in Antioch, the people saw the things that they did. And that's when they were first called Christians. They were called Christians because they saw that these people were living just like the Lord Jesus Christ. They were doing the things that Jesus did. Jesus said, greater works than he did, shall he do. We can do greater works. The greater works is what he has left unto us. Scripture says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And he said, if he didn't see us fit, we're born again, to leave this ministry to, he probably would have raised up stones to do it. So, living the holy life is doing what God has called us to do. We have to obey the word of God. The word that he has given to us, his commands, his directions, his instructions. We have to follow them to the T. Every jot and every tittle of God's word is important. Some people think that the Old Testament is of no use anymore. But it's God's word. So we have to make sure that we are doing what God has called us to do. And if we do something that's contrary to the word of God, then... We're not going to get the blessing that God has caused us, I mean, that promised us. But, and if we do something contrary, we can go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, help me to understand this. We read the scriptures and we see things we don't understand. We can go to the Lord and say, help me to understand this. So I can live for you. I can do what you have called me to do. He knows that we are imperfect. He knows that we are still living in this sinful body. So, as the scripture says, walk in the spirit and you will never fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we walk in the spirit and trust me, we are getting to that place where we are going to be holy. He's going to change our bodies to be like his glorified body. We have that hope. We have that promise of getting that brand new body. So we can be just like Jesus. We can do all the things that Jesus did. We can walk through the walls. I want to go to England tomorrow. I'm gone. <laughs> okay, we can do anything we want to do. We can be just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Did that help in any way, sister? Thank you so much. Anybody else with any other question? Well, Lord, I saw you opening your mouth there, brother. Oh. <laughs> the Bible says, open your mouth and I'll fill it. <laughs> Yes. That's a Abraham. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that if you are faithful. Amen. Faithful to God. Yes. Very good point, brother. Very good point. Yep. So if we stay faithful until the end. Lay aside every sin and weight that would so easily beset us. Endure to the end. He that endure it to the end, the same shall be saved. Run this race that is set before you. 
Just keep on running. Run with patience. Endure to the end. And we shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Anybody else? We can stay here all night. That's what Brother um, Scarlett said. <laughs> well, let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm so glad that you received something from this lesson tonight. Uh, our God is an awesome God. Almighty God, we love you, Lord God. We honor and adore you. We thank you, Lord God, for your word that you have given to us as a lamp unto our feet and a light to our paths. We thank you, Lord God, for enlightening us tonight, Almighty Father. We ask, Lord God, that you help us to hide your words in our heart that we might not sin against you. Help us, Lord God, to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We thank you, Lord God, that your grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Almighty God, in faith we pray tonight, Almighty Father, that you guide and direct us, Almighty God, and help us to walk worthy of your calling. Help us to decrease that you may increase in us, Lord God. Help us to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto you, Almighty God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord God, as we leave this house tonight, we ask, Almighty God, that you go with us. Watch over us, Lord God. Watch over our going out and our coming in from this time forty forevermore. Today I have a whole lot of time, brother. <laughs> I'm not asking you how much time I got left. <laughs> Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7.